1: Welcome in, everybody, to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by our friends over at Winbet. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We got a week two preview coming up. We're gonna run through the entire uh slate of games here, breaking it down from a fantasy perspective, some betting, a little bit of survivor, maybe mixed in there, all that good stuff. After what was a pretty crazy week one, some some confirmation bias was was had and also some uh some assumptions that we were making were, were shattered completely, and uh, so we're going to try to try to sift through all of it. Uh, Mario, how are you doing on this fine Thursday? Uh,
2: I'm doing okay. The fire alarm in my building keeps going off for no reason, and uh, I'm getting really angry about that because it's, it's upsetting my dog. And uh, I'll get violent over my dog uh, so that these, these building managers better uh, fix whatever it is that's wrong. Uh, I got podcasts that I got to focus on.
1: That's right. I, I mean, we can't have Dulce out there being upset by by these fire alarms. And uh, yeah, no, that that's some BS. Uh, yeah. yeah, landlord we, we bad, get, in my opinion. Nuts to them. Anywho, um, but moving on, uh, what we'll, we'll get to some football here. Uh, what we'll, we'll do a little bit of the Thursday night game, and then we'll just kind of run through the rest of the Week to slate. Uh, So let's kick things off. We do have the football team going up against the Giants. This is kind of a a must win for both of these teams, given how week one shook out for each. We got a divisional game here, of course. Uh, Starting 0-2 with an 0-1 division record would really put uh, one of these teams behind the eight ball. So an early season, very important game shaping up here. Uh, Football team three-point favorites in this one playing at home. Uh, at FedEx Field, where they had the uh, sewage pipe burst uh, last <laughs> week, which was uh, very funny, very emblematic of of the franchise in that stadium. Anywho, they're uh, always they're always
2: surprising <laughs> you. Like you you think like they're not going to have the, the literal you know sewage spew all over their fans this week, will they? Like you know, Dan, Dan wouldn't do that. Don't be unfair to Dan. And then uh, <laughs> this is what you get for going to the game, buying a ticket.
1: Yep. <laughs> anyway, yep, hundred uh, percent. So. You know,
2: um, It's it's pretty crazy, but uh, even after throwing uh, spewing actual sewage contents on their own fans um, at at, at a home game, I think Washington football team is in a pretty good spot. uh, Five days later, here against the Giants, Uh, I I don't know what to make the Ryan Fitzpatrick injury. I was not a huge fan of him in the first place, so I'm not really. Worried about Taylor Heineke. I don't know if it really changes anything. I don't have an opinion on it. So uh, as long as it doesn't constitute a a downgrade, though, you just have to worry about that Giants offensive line against this Washington front five. Uh, Ioannidis off the bench is a real problem. He's like a 10-sack kind of defensive tackle coming off the bench. We haven't seen that Giants OL hold up very well to this point. Uh, Von Miller looking pretty good last week, which he'll do, but it's just that these guys can definitely look that good, too.
1: Right, exactly. So you have that and then you have Daniel Jones's turnover problems that still very much exist. Um, what did you make of the Giants kind of new look re- receiving core uh, rotation uh last week? Anything to, to glean from there, uh fantasy wise after after one week?
2: Well, it was a pretty encouraging game for Sterling Shepherd, especially, and he he probably had some pretty tough matchups. Uh like the Denver corner rotation is four deep with quality starter level players. So, uh, Shepard showing up there was pretty impressive. He's, he's always been a really good player and, um, it's, it's not exactly surprising to see him do well. It was just, uh, that had to be his best game in a, a while. And it was against such a tough defense. So maybe, maybe Daniel Jones is going to hold up. Okay. As long as these three receivers Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay are out there. I think that's a really good three receiver rotation, a as, as starting loadout that's pretty tough for any defense and uh Kadarius tony five snaps got two you know fake targets exactly exactly what you your worst fear with this guy would have looked like and he's not like toast or anything it's fine and we know he missed a bunch of time in training camp and joe judge who is probably not very cool um has tony in his doghouse so that might eventually be kind of like a a that'll look good for tony to have been on the wrong side of a such a turdly coach, but uh, we'll see how it turns out. In the meantime, there's no playing time for him though. And Slayton is good. There's no reason to take that guy off the field. Like a lot of people reasonably assumed when the giants took him and took Tony in the first round.
1: Yeah. That, that, that was the assumption that that I was going under. I wasn't the biggest Tony guy in draft season, but. You know, upon him getting that first round selection by the giants, it's like, okay, well, Slayton didn't really do a ton in 2020. Maybe this is a sign. They're going to shake things up and, you know, put Tony, in the slot, maybe just kind of do what he does best as far as just like getting the ball in his hands, letting him uh, be explosive that way. And obviously that they manufactured some early touches and then he just kind of disappeared from from the rest of the game plan. Uh, One last thing to, to, uh, to note here, uh, thoughts on Saquon coming into this one. Uh,
2: it's, it's hard to feel great about it. I mean, I don't want to bet against someone with his talent level ever really, but the short week. Uh, not looking that great the first time around. So uh, I don't want to tell anyone to bench him exactly, but if, if they kind of have a better option or they think they have a better option and there's a reasonably sound basis for that, I don't I don't want to tell them they must start him, uh, especially on this short week here. And it would probably isn't a great matchup. I, I don't know how good the Washington run defense is. It wasn't great or anything against the Chargers, but it, the offensive line might be bad enough that just that front four kind of wipes out you know, the foundation of a lot of their plays.
1: Yeah, definitely a concern here. You know, if you if you invested like I feel like Barkley, you didn't have to spend the, the number two, number three overall pick to get him this year. But I mean, you're you're still potentially looking at two dud weeks from a top ten pick here. So that there's definite reason for concern there. Uh let, let's get on over to the Sunday games. Uh leading things off, we got Bills, Dolphins, Dolphins three and a half point. Home underdogs in this one, despite being one and zero, and the Bills. I would say, relative to expectations, maybe fell on their face the hardest in, in week one. Yeah, the, I guess I would say the
2: Titans were the most like. Oh, that outright. was. Just, yeah, yeah the, the Titans were probably the most like outright embarrassed. But Buffalo, it, it was it was a little bit, you know, more particular of of a sort of disappointment because it wasn't like anyone looked at the Steelers and thought like, oh, these guys are pushovers. Their defense sucks. Um, there, there's no way the Bills lose. It was more like if Josh Allen and the Bills are going to take that next step from being, you know, merely good to, to like great playoff level competitors, then playing at home against an otherwise tough team is still an environment where you're like, you got to win this one and, you know, be be what you showed glimpses of last year. And, and, and in this, and this venue can show will continue into the future and like really, you know, so- solidify your status among the league's best. And uh, in that frame, it was definitely disappointing because uh, you got to give credit to the Steelers' defense. I mean, Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the league, and he always has them prepared to play at a certain level. They, they're just a certain level. That defense never falls below. They're well coached. They 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 have a certain blueprint that they execute well. But fact is, too, the Bills just kind of got beat by them. Like they didn't really get anything going consistently all game. It wasn't even that Josh Allen was playing bad or anything. It just couldn't they just kept getting like outplayed and uh, unlike last year Brian Dable couldn't think of any adjustments after the the first two quarters went so poorly so um, on the one hand this is not exactly like a fun setup for the Bills to go on the road to to the Dolphins another tough team another tough defense but two games in a row for for Allen to underproduce like that seems kind of I don't want to say it's like impossible but it just seems unlikely and for whatever it's worth, you know, he did struggle against the Steelers last year, struggled against them last week, of course. But he had the really big game. Maybe his best game was against the Dolphins last year. So maybe there's something a little easier about the Dolphins scheme for Josh Allen to decipher than the Steelers, and hopefully he can get back on track here. He, if he doesn't, it's it's
1: pretty concerning. No, abs- absolutely So we'll we'll have to see what what he and and Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders are able to do. Um, Zach Moss. One of the one of the big uh, surprise uh, healthy inactives on Sunday. Do we think that the, um, you know this is a trend that's going to continue? What do we do with them?
2: I have no idea. I mean, I wouldn't cut him yet if you drafted him, just unless the, unless you were picking up Elijah Mitchell, I guess, or somebody who's really worth it. Um, this to me was was a pretty strange and concerning sign. I like Matt Breida enough, um, but to think Devin Singletary is better than Zach Moss is basically to be confused like there's nothing that devin singletary does as well as moss moss does plenty of things better than him like at best this looks like a case of a team doing that thing where they're like oh you didn't have a good enough week practicing we're gonna make you earn it you got to earn your place in the game plan that kind of thing rather than the question of like who's actually our best running back uh devin singletary can give you some you know high motor yardage off the bench but if you put that guy into an extended role he's gonna get overexposed because he just he doesn't have tools to work with. He's a small, slow runner. He's not even really quick. He just runs hard and kind of has the ability to, you know, stand up against contact because he's, like, stout. Uh, but he can't actually, like, advance and create yardage. Can't really do much as a pass catcher. Can't uh, – I mean, I guess he did a pretty good job pass block, or I can't remember anyway if he pass blocked decently. Um, I just I just don't see the a good basis for acting the way the Bills did unless there's something we don't know, like, unless it was something like – yeah, we're not we're, we're scratching Moss this week because he, uh, you know, skipped a team meeting or something like that. But absent information like that, I, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what they're doing. And I'm I'm worried that they don't know what they're doing either. So aside from Josh Allen and, and you know, his his necessary pass catchers, I just want nothing to do with this team really for the for the time
1: being. Yeah. Yeah. The, the run game there in Buffalo outside of uh, Josh Allen himself is kind of a tough one to to sort through and not, not a whole lot, not a particularly rich vein uh, for fantasy on the dolphin side. Anything to see here? What are you expecting with Will Fuller and re-entering the mix for Miami?
2: Yeah, that's a weird offense they have going. You would have thought Malcolm Brown would have gotten eight crap carries between the tackles, something, you know, some short yardage work. Ah, uh, Miles Gaskin played pretty much the whole game, as, at least from scrimmage. He did, and um, at once that makes sense. Like I, kind of, I, I kind of get it. But uh, they seem poised to almost overwork him uh, if they keep it up, keep up the usage that they did in the first week. So we'll see how that goes. I definitely like Gaskin. Uh, so th- the Bills, you know, they they held Najee Harris to a really bad game last week, but I think that had a lot to do with Ben Roethlisberger and the the offensive line. So I'm not convinced that the Bills. Run defense is exactly good. It, like most recently, before last week's game, they were closer to bad than good. So going on the road uh, to, to Miami here might not bring the best out of the Buffalo run defense. We'll see. Uh, Miami offensive line isn't exactly intimidating, but uh, if Fuller has an instant rapper rapport with a uh, um, with Tua Tonga Bailoa, then I. I guess I, I'm pretty concerned for the Buffalo pass defense here because Levi Wallace was getting beat last week, even though Ben Roethlisberger had a terrible box score, and that's exactly what you would have expected. I, I don't understand how they went into this year with him as a starter again when I'm, I'm pretty sure they scratched him at least one game last year, and uh, he ends up starting in week one, struggled quite a bit. Going against Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle is something that just like can't really be allowed for Wallace. Like, he needs to have a safety over the top, or he can just get dusted by guys like that. So there's quite a few places, even with Tredavious White out there, let's say Tredavious White takes out Will Fuller or takes out Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker is a big problem for whoever you have left. Even Albert Wilson. I mean, not that I'm saying look to Albert Wilson to do something this week, but him, Gasicki, there just might be something that gets a little bit uh, loose in the Buffalo pass defense trying to deal with all those things at once. And I personally believe in Parker, Waddle, and Fuller on an individual basis. So if, if any of them gets a good matchup, I say, we should expect them to do pretty well. Um it is hard to know who Tradavius White is going to cover though. And he's it's not even that he's so shut down himself. It's that why would you throw it at Tradavius White on any given play if you can go after these other corners instead.
1: Okay. All right. So um that that definitely is is a factor as far yeah, because you know, he's like a B plus corner and then they're they're just throwing C C minus guys elsewhere and the and the Dolphins don't have any C or C minus receivers. So right. Mismatch is, is going to be there. We just don't know who just yet. Um, let's get on over. We got Texans-Browns, uh, one of three games this weekend with, with a double-digit point spread. The Browns 12-and-a-half point favorite. So it, it seems to me, Mario, that Vegas isn't giving a ton of respect to Houston despite their dismantling of the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, mm-hmm. Cully could be a pretty good coach. Sometimes one game doesn't, it just simply doesn't mean anything. Sometimes it is the start of something else. And I guess uh not that you're going to say Cully sucks. If he loses this one on the road against a team like the Browns, with so, so many advantages and personnel uh, maybe in every single respect. So you're not exactly expecting him to look dignified in this setting here, but if they can, that, that would be pretty impressive because yeah. it is a thankless kind of like hopeless journey they're on even though they did get that week one win just Jaguars are a bigger mess Uh, even more NFL Europe than the Texans Uh, we have we have three or four NFL Europe teams uh, like the Falcons and the the Jags the Texans uh, maybe the Titans I guess we'll see Um, anyway I don't know what I, I can't really expect Mark Ingram to have another good game but apparently they're gonna try to see if he can Tyrod played really well at last week and Brandon Cooks of course still very good but it's just revenge game consideration aside, it's kind of tough to see Tyrod doing so well in this setting here. I don't think there's any basis of of assuming he's anything better than safely below average. And the Cleveland defense, especially being in Cleveland, probably closer to above average. So, um, you know, Cooks, you still feel good about, I think, just because in most leagues, you got him pretty affordably. So yeah. um, just because he has a tough matchup doesn't mean you're, uh, I don't know, it's like maybe you do have a an alternative that, that has a better matchup. But uh, if you did instead invest at like running back or quarterback or whatever, and, and kind of got cooks as your cheap wide receiver three, I still, think, I still think you feel good about that in this game here.
1: Okay. I do too. Yeah. That was an impressive opener from him. Of course, five catches on seven targets for 132 yards. Uh, so really clicking along nicely. There seems to be that, that clear cut number one passing option. For them, we're we'll still, still waiting on Nico Collins to get rolling, but that was just his first game, I imagine. He'll, he'll get it going soon enough, but but I don't think this is the week where that happens. Uh, as for the Browns, um, you know, are you just loading up on them in DFS? I mean, you, you got to figure that, that the Browns are going to be very, very popular this week in, in that regard.
2: Yeah, if there's a concern, I guess it would just be, is the game close enough that whoever you're buying gets the snap count that you're assuming they'll get? Because... If if I'm the Browns, I don't really want Nick Chubb playing past the first quarter in this game. Not that they'll play it that way. It, they'll, they'll probably, you know, give him basically his customary workload. But if things do get out of hand, why would they give him more? Why wouldn't they go to why wouldn't they make Kareem Hunt earn his contract, Uh help keep Chubb out mm-hmm. of the out of the spotlight until they really need him again? But Chubb is definitely the kind of player who can. I mean, I don't want to predict that he'll do like Jamal Lewis versus uh the Browns. the Browns, yeah, the Browns, kind of stuff. But he could do that. He he could get 100 yards on 10 carries. That's not difficult for him in, in many settings. Maybe this is one of those. Uh, so he looks good. It's just. If you're imagining a scenario where Tyrod keeps it close, if, if the Tyrod revenge game does happen, I guess Chubb could do, yeah, biblical stuff because if they give him 30 carries, it, it could just be oh yeah. That's, 200, that's 200 plus. 200. So uh but yeah, I don't I don't expect that to happen. It it seems like Cleveland should take care of this pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I would I would imagine so as well. Um thoughts on the the Cleveland passing game. Uh, you know, is, is Beckham gonna be back if he is, you know, are you going to Feel okay with starting him and and what did you think of anthony schwartz last week
2: uh the beckham thing sucks it, w- it would have been nice to have clearer warning on that you know it's like all off season they were saying it looks good and then like three days before the the season or whatever just being like yeah i don't know what uh, i don't know where he is don't know what that guy's doing I'm like huh really wow awesome
1: great
2: uh so yeah i i thought they were just kind of screwing with us but apparently they were screwing with us all off season instead but uh that's a bummer because beckham is just a monster when he can play. Uh, they don't need him here though. They shouldn't let him play. If, if he, if it was smart to not let him play last week, there's no way they can let him play this week in my opinion. But uh, Schwartz was pretty impressive. It's um, it's at once, you know, a really good sign, but also not conclusive in any way. Like it, he's on a good course for sure. But especially for this year, I wouldn't go making any assumptions about his usage. Like guy like him doesn't have many dimensions to his game he might develop them. He might develop them pretty quickly. I mean, he's still very young. He only turned 21 like 10 days ago or something, which is very young, even for an underclassman. So he's always been impressive for his experience level and his age level. He'll probably keep getting better, but in the meantime, he can only really do a couple things. And I think the chiefs were pretty caught off guard. I would imagine they game planned more so for Donovan people's Jones, yeah. uh, Rashard Higgins, I guess. And, if you go into a game looking at those guys' route combos from last year and then you're just totally unprepared for Anthony Schwartz the way they used him, 4-2 speed makes that a little tougher to adjust to than, than a lot of other players. So uh, they caught the Chiefs by surprise. They're not going to catch anyone else by surprise. Schwartz will probably keep making promising plays, but in terms of like the the yardage per snap that he showed last week, I would not get attached to that.
1: Okay. All right. I think that that's totally fair. And and like you said, uh, yeah, the the surprise element is gone. You know, there was a question all along as to whether or how much uh, Cleveland would utilize a guy like that with with the amount of speed that Schwartz has, but also kind of the the general rawness that he has elsewhere to his game. Let's get on over. We got Bengals, Bears. Uh, We got the Bears checking in as one and a half point uh, home favorites going up against the bears, Andy Dalton little revenge game action. Potentially. Um, we got Justin Fields getting the university of Georgia treatment that, um, you know, last week just playing him in, in goofy packages, not letting him really get into the flow of the game while a clearly inferior quarterback plays the majority of the snaps. Um, so your thoughts on this matchup. It's going to be weird. And uh, it, it
2: was weird watching the bears against the Rams too. It was just uh... Don't like the mustache. I guess I should start with that. Uh, your mustache is good, John. Uh, Andy Dalton's mustache I, I don't like. It looked like he yeah. he's Yeah, he know, you know,
1: me as a mustache guy. It's like a, like seeing Walter White in the cabin waiting Breaking Bad yeah. or something. Yeah,
2: it looks like he's just got like Gerber's on his face or something. Not good. Not <laughs> good. And uh, we don't like seeing Andy Dalton on the field, I guess. But I, I don't think he really embarrassed himself outside of that one play, which was that, that one interception was pretty brutal. Could have gotten intercepted at least twice on that play. So that wasn't good. Justin Fields seems to be picking up, you know, traction with the team. Maybe he always had it, but David Montgomery, he had some quote to the press that almost was kind of, it seemed like he was sort of trying to use his position to put pressure on the Bears to to make the switch to Fields. And we know it's going to happen eventually. Maybe, though, they just want to, you know, keep Dalton in for his dignity's sake, this one last time against his former team. And maybe that'll be it, but who knows it's going to be weird probably for a while with this team. And outside of Allen Robinson, Mooney, David Montgomery, I don't really know what can you can expect, but uh, those, especially Robinson and Montgomery, of course they should be busy. And I don't know what's going on with Montgomery, um, but he's not running the same 40 time. He's not getting the same combine numbers. He looks good, man. He's uh I'm pretty sure objectively a lot faster, which is a little strange, but yeah, he looked, he looked as fast as Damian Williams who ran a four, four, five at the combine and Montgomery had the four, six, whatever it was. Doesn't look like he's running that anymore. So
1: he looks more spelt. I will say.
2: Yeah. He just, he just, he looks different and uh, don't see why the Bengals would be a problem for him. You you would imagine this should be a setting where Montgomery could have one of the highest finishes of the week. So really difficult to see anything concerning for him here. Uh, I mean, I know that Cincinnati played pretty well against uh, the Vikings offense, all things considered, but I, I don't know. I, I can't, m- maybe I'm just being slow to to recognize the Bengals as, you know, something other than bad, but I tend to lean that yeah. way until we, we get a little bit clearer confirmation on it. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, th- not surprisingly, the Jamar chase preseason panic turned out to be completely insane. Uh, not that he's like a slam dunk, you know, mega star, just cause he, uh, lit up Patrick Peterson in that one play. And, and then whoever else on the other side, Breland, I'm assuming, uh, those were corners. He kind of should beat. And he did, he dusted them. So really good sign. T Higgins is still a monster on the other side. Tyler Boyd, he's going to get going eventually. So unless Khalil Mack ends things, uh, causes pro- and him and Akeem Hicks are a problem. Akeem Hicks. Man, he's such a goon, but he's a very good goon. And uh, he could be a problem here, if, if him and Mac, of course. But if not, these corners can't cover these receivers.
1: Okay, all right. So that, that's an interesting detail there when it comes to what, what the Bears can do defensively. Uh, we got a viewer question here, Mario. Uh, Scary Terry or Allen Robinson in PPR this week? I think you got to go with Robinson. It's, you know, he gets the full week. Uh, it's not a short week. No risk of a James Bradbury. And... Yeah, you guess the, the Bengals secondary, that that's just preferable. I, I, I got to go Robinson there. Yeah, it
2: uh, must be a pretty good team or at least strong receiver group you have. So it's a good problem, I suppose. I would go with Robinson for the same reasons John said. Uh, but yeah, if you have if you for some reason feel the need to go with McLaurin, I wouldn't exactly sweat. It's just Robinson a bit more locked in.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. We got another uh, viewer question as well. Who would you start from this grouping, Brandon Ayuk? I'm sure we'll get to him here uh, soon. Uh, Marvin Jones, Tyson Williams, or Kenyon Drake in full point PPR. So uh, just just uh, needs a floor play a- of this group, not necessarily hunting upside. Um, any thoughts on on this uh, quartet of players?
2: Not a great group for floor.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> I would have to go
2: for Tyson Williams, I guess, just because. If the Ravens do stay in a run viable script, I think Williams is good enough to make a few plays. And it's hard for me to imagine him playing fewer than, I don't know, 30 snaps, something like that. Don't know what Kenyon Drake is going to do. Don't especially don't know what Ayuk is going to do. In Marvin Jones's case, I'm concerned that there's just not much optimism or not much reason for optimism at all.
1: Yep, and, and uh, your reasoning there is backed up in, in our weekly flex rankings. You can, again, check those out at com slash football slash value meter. So check that out. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, please do that. Uh, before we get on to our next game, a quick message from our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, let's get on next game here. We've got a lot of games to get through here in the next little bit. Pats Jets. We got Jets six point home underdogs. The Patriots I thought looked pretty decent for the most part last week. I obviously had the killer mistake mistakes uh, throughout the course of that game, but even still, I, I thought that it was a pretty decent uh, debut for Mac Jones. I think the Patriots are, are a solid team, um, whereas the Jets um, they hung around with the with the Panthers team that I felt like just couldn't quite get themselves in sync and, and take, take advantage of, of the opportunities that the jets were presenting them. So I, I, I like the Patriots in this setup. What, uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I thought both rookie quarterbacks did well last week. Uh, Zach Wilson had the really bad looking numbers in the first half, but that Panthers defense played pretty tough, especially the pass rush, big problem. So wasn't much he could do about that. And obviously got it going in the last, uh, I don't know, if like 18 minutes of the game losing uh Mackie becton for a while is brutal because he's so good and it was all it was already looking difficult for for wilson against the pass rush even before then so taking him out going against the belichick defense it it's pretty difficult to see what uh wilson can do to defend himself realistically in this setting so yeah i uh i think you got to go with the patriots and, and mac jones uh I'm, I'm not convinced Mac Jones can kind of like make plays to push this team toward the end zone uh, in the end zone. I should say, he can push them toward the end zone get in field goal range. I'm not convinced that there's much more than kind of like steady check down stuff for the time being. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that's enough in this game. I think it definitely is though.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I tend to think so as well. Uh, one, one last thing I wanted to touch on any sort of doghouse uh worries that, that you may have when it comes to the, these Patriots running backs, so obviously Stevenson, Really might have uh, hurt his, his chances at seeing the field anytime soon on, on Sunday. And then Damian Harris with, with the killer one late in the game.
2: Yeah, at least they uh, both fumbled, showed solidarity with each other. Maybe That's makes, right. it makes it harder for, for Belichick to bench them. So, I don't know, Brandon Bolden could play. I, th- that guy's always been kind of a, a bit of a punchline in the NFL, but he's never actually done poorly as a running back. And he was a pretty good college player, pretty decent athlete. I do think Belichick is willing to use that guy. And I don't want to say he will. It's just, I I think he's willing to to do that. Take, take that measure. Uh, Otherwise, James White's looking pretty much on the upswing anyway, just because so many of those cam attempts uh, rather than going necessarily to the receivers just went straight to James White and he can continue playing well in that capacity, maybe even in this game. Uh, But otherwise I think Damien for the time being has a real leash. and, And like you were kind of getting at Stevenson, if, if one of them, only it's got to be stevenson who has the shorter leash
1: yeah absolutely so um yeah stevenson really kind of uh that was tough uh uh, on him you know i'm a a bit of a believer and it was kind of hoping on hope that he would be able to to sort of goal line but yeah yeah. talented and stuff so just the the early season doghouse never great
2: i will say like he got involved I would say be less concerned more encouraged by how much he was involved uh, before the fumble than the fumble mm-hmm. itself, because either way he's like at a point in the the totem pole that that's higher than, you know, certainly before the Michelle trade he was looking at.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good point. I, I, I will take that uh, to heart. Let's get on over. We got Broncos Jags Broncos, five and a half point favorites on the road against this Jaguars team that obviously all. looked completely wow. out of sorts yeah i like the broncos a lot i mean 40 a,
2: 45 points at least i think
1: um, yeah. It, yeah i mean like that that's that's what the total is right here i mean is it like a suck is it like a sucker bet to, to go broncos five minus five and a half on the road i mean they, they looked good against the the giants and i know that jerry judy's hurt but jaguars man i don't know if there's a number that, that like i would start to feel great about backing them
2: right i i am not like uh, I'm definitely not a uh, uh, trained better. I, I don't. I don't know what th- the rules of thumb are for these situations, but I think uh, anecdotally we can kind of determine that you know this this Jaguars team is not prepared, was not at least on Sunday prepared to be an actual NFL professional football team. They they weren't prepared uh, th- the way that a team in their position should have been, and the Texans were, and it, they obviously are pretty crap talent wise. And yet they, they still uh, just, just lit up the Jaguars start to finish. So that's, that's something that's not necessarily going to happen every time, but when it happens that particular way, when like the, the talent advantage team just gets wiped out uh, just emphatically, and it's probably in there, in their for decades it's, it's probably because they just were that unprepared. So it's like, if they can even get prepared at this point, how long will it take? Will it take like a month for, for urban Meyer to figure out the the reason he was running practices wrong and start doing it the right way. uh, If, if he can figure it out at all. And I don't know what those answers are, but in the meantime, it would take not just them playing better than we have reason for them to believe based on last week, it would take the Broncos playing so much worse than we have reason to believe they will based on last week. And that stuff does sometimes happen. I mean, psychological, uh, sort of, sort of just a psychological Things like oh, this team got ahead of themselves and started looking ahead to the game after this one, or they were so high on their uh, unexpected week one victory that they they sort of didn't pay attention to week two like they should have. That can happen, and going on the road, I guess, makes it slightly more plausible. But uh, the Broncos losing is just like out of the question, and I don't see, I don't really see how how the Jaguars get within seven. I, I I would expect that line to just keep going.
1: Yeah, I, I think so as well. So so again, like I alluded to earlier, there are three games that Vegas has double-digit spreads on. Uh, obviously, they're, they're not going to quite give that to, to a Teddy Bridgewater-led led, uh, Broncos team. But it, it, I feel like the Broncos are going to draw a fair amount of interest in Survivor. Before we get on to the next game... Got a message from our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks, I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy football podcast and overall podcast. WinBet brings you the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders. Round Robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. And if you want a break from sports betting, head into Winbet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. Winbet is currently available in 6 states, that's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At Winbet, the possibilities are limitless. Winbet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W Y N N B E T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also get a message from our friends over at Fantasy Stand. Playing fantasy sports is so much fun, but once you dive deeper, fighting against other players for a percentage of the pot, there might be sharks. Even when your fantasy team crushes it, Those skilled pros may leave you without a single cent. Luckily, the days of having a great score and not getting loot are over. With Fancy Stand, you're playing against the house. If you reach the threshold, you win. It's that simple. Sorry, Baby Sharks. To participate, choose a free or paid contest entry in the lobby. For your salary cap, you have to pick nine players while staying under the the salary cap. For Pick'Em, you simply pick one player from each tier they are presented with. Done. Now sit back and watch the results to see if your fantasy team has what it takes to stand out from the rest. Come out. Come on, and if you come out as a high scorer, get ready for additional prizes. So where do you stand? Visit FantasyStand.com to sign up today. And we got another message from our friends over at Vivid Seeds. Preseason football has wrapped up and we're ready for the regular season to kick off this week. Live events are making a comeback and there's no better place to be then Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets for the game, your favorite artist, or that new show everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today, Vivid Seats. Experience it Live, All right, Mario, on to the next game. We got Niners-Eagles, uh, a couple of interesting teams here. A couple of, of uh, you know, the, the Niners really, uh, they led the Lions back into that game. Uh, we had been talking about it basically all offseason uh, in the sense that the Lions, they're not going to quit. Uh, Dan Campbell's guys are, are going to give you a 60-minute game, and by George, they gave him a 60-minute game. Uh, they're in Detroit last week, so the uh, Niners won't have that. But, um, that are one of that necessarily to, uh, to overlook this time around going up against an Eagles team that I thought looked really, really impressive. Obviously I live in Atlanta now. So that was on the, uh, on the main uh, TV feed here, watching Atlanta just get completely smoked by, by the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. So not totally sure what to take away from that. Is it a, is it a Jalen Hurts being good? Is it Devonte Smith being good? Or is it just the, the Falcons, and their offensive line and everything else just looking at, as shaky as, as we possibly could have imagined.
2: I couldn't have imagined how bad the Falcons were in that game. So I I don't know what to make of that exactly. Like, we knew they didn't have much talent, but even the, the talent that they definitely have wasn't materializing on the field. So I can't really give the Eagles more credit than just kind of like checking the box. You know, they won on the road, and that's not – necessarily ever easy but it was about as easy as it ever possibly could have been in NFL road game history so uh, we'll see I I thought that Jalen Hurts made a couple good plays and uh, he doesn't need to be specifically you know good as a passer especially in real life to be good in fantasy uh, with the kind of rushing impact he can make but he made some good throws some of the yardage as a passer was just kind of screen stuff that you know that that'll always be there to some extent, but I I wouldn't expect good defenses to let them catch that by surprise. And eventually, defenses will sit on that a bit more, and and then at that point, Hurst will have to make a different kind of play. Maybe he can make it. I, I don't know what I expect exactly. I'm I'm a little concerned. Um, but uh, he he looked good last week, and Devonte Smith. Uh, you know, Man, one, he looks one, good. He yeah, looks one game doesn't uh, make everything, but he sure does look convincing. So he seems like the real deal, and even like Rager having that game was kind of weird. I didn't, I don't really like what they're trying to do, making him like an underneath player, but it, it worked pretty well in that game. He caught every target. So if he, if he's going a little bit, Devonte Smith's going a little bit, those tight ends, of course, will hold some presence. Kenny Gainwell can do more as a yeah. than they, like, I can't believe that. I, I just thought Boston Scott was like a pretty good player. Definitely not great or anything. And I like Kenny Gainwell as a prospect. Like I thought he was better than Michael Carter and he probably should have been more like a, third rounder to me. So I really liked him in the fifth round, but um, all that much more impressive that he can push aside a player like Scott, especially if, you know, if Scott is any good, because uh, yeah, rookies, rookies don't get that benefit of the doubt. And when they, when they earn that place, it usually means, you know, they're, they're making it really tough for the coach to keep them off the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that they clearly want to get him involved. I mean that he scored a touchdown right on, on a goal line attempt. So, I mean, that that's definitely, Kind of a big statement there when when it comes to Gainwell, if you you went ahead and scooped him in best ball or anything, you're definitely feeling better about your running back depth, uh, knowing what Gainwell was able to do in week one. And and flipping over to the other side, I I don't know if there's a team that's more at the center of fantasy discourse right now than the 49ers. I mean, you see Trey Lance go out and, and, you know, have a touchdown. Uh, early in his debut um, so basically just gets the touchdown play called for him and instead of Jimmy G and then we we had you know we we obviously talked about Zach Moss earlier but maybe even the bigger surprise on Sunday if there was one in terms of inactives it would be Trey Sermon uh, uh, just riding the pine on Sunday and then of course Raheem Mostert suffers an injury that will ultimately keep him out for the entire season Elijah Mitchell looked really good um, he's got a lot of speed, so there, there's kind of analogous things that he's able to do that, um, to where they don't have to change that most role um, there in San Francisco. So unpack what what you're thinking uh, when it comes to this 49ers offense right now. Well, this
2: Eagles run defense might be pretty good, but it's mostly, if so, it's all in the defensive line. And if as long as the 49ers can control the defensive line, not let it wreck them, then Shanahan, even though he's really pissing us off lately still probably will be good at setting up his running backs to put, you know, production from scrimmage up on the field, even though we'll be, you know, just thinking about how we'd like to choke him the whole time. It'll, it'll eventually get harder over the course of the game because yeah, Elijah Mitchell will probably get a good look here or there. It's just, it's really tough to defend Shanahan's schemes in the run game, especially when you have Kittle uh, threatening off tackle from a variety of, of different kinds of threats. So it's not like teams didn't know what Mostert was gonna do the past two years or whatever. When he kept going out there, and it's it's like, isn't that just the same play they're running every single time? Why does it keep working? Why is there always this room for him to run? Why is it always this scenario where he just has to be fast in a straight line, and it, it just keeps happening over and over? And it's because Shanahan makes it happen. And I think that yeah, Elijah Mitchell is so so much a carbon copy in terms of physical tools to Raheem Mostert, like they're. I, I don't know what for sure what Mozart's 40 time was when he was at kind of like peak speed. Cause he was a track guy and he, he might have like a kind of fast that doesn't really show up in the 40. I don't really know, but Elijah Mitchell is definitely fast. He was like, it's four, three, five or whatever, lost some weight to run it. And apparently he tried to add another like five or 10 pounds back after running the 40. So maybe he's slowed down a little bit in light of that, but he's probably running at worst, like a four, four, two around two Oh eight 210, something like that. So he's the only guy on that roster who can run those concepts that they use with most dirt and maybe they won't run those concepts. Maybe Shanahan will decide to go with whatever it is that he thinks to Michael Hasty is going to do. Uh, eventually I think we can expect Jeff Wilson to take a pretty substantial role in this backfield in, in uh, November whenever he's back. But uh, in the meantime, it's two months of, of Mitchell baby. That's pretty yeah, good. And I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, I don't think he's going to go over like 15 carries like ever or very much if so, but that sort of explosiveness we started to take for granted with Mostert, there might be reason to take it for granted with Elijah Mitchell too. Like he was a really good player in college, and he's fast.
1: Yeah. So, and, and this this scheme, I think, uh, seems to just get production from whoever's out there. And I think that Mitchell is more than just a guy. So that this is pretty interesting. I I dumped almost seventy percent of my free agent budget uh, on him in, in an NFFC league. So we'll we'll see how this goes. I got my fingers crossed that it's going to work out. Um, we have a bunch of questions pouring in Mario. So let's, let's get to these quickly. Our buddy Rendon wants to know, um, Offer to trade. Uh, he would be getting, or he would be giving Melvin Gordon for Cortland Sutton. Your thoughts. I, I think I'm holding on to Gordon.
2: Yeah. The only way I'd consider that is if Gordon is a bench player and Sutton would be a starter for you. But uh, I would see if, especially after this week, uh, I would wait at least because, Gordon might be in a really good spot to produce again here against uh,
1: the lowly Jags. Yes. Yeah. I I think so as well. Um, All right. Disco Dave wants to know PPR, non PPR Juju or I I presume Elijah Mitchell. I think it's Mitchell. Yeah, I, I would go with Mitchell. Okay. Um, I think so as well. Uh, our buddy Heck wants to know: uh, Najee Harris and Ceedee Lamb for Derrick Henry. Should he accept that one?
2: Um, offered. Hmm. Man, that's 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 a tough one because those are those are two good players. I, I I really feel bad for Harris. He had no chance in that game last week, and Henry didn't have much better. But I don't know. I I think I got to stick with Derrick Henry just because I think we have reason to believe he'll correct course. Whereas with Harris, it, that. That offensive line is just so brutal, it might not get much better. So it it uh it might end up being kind of like you get offered CeeDee Lamb a third round pick value for a guy who went in the
1: second, Najee Harris, but
2: ends up being more like a fifth rounder.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a t- tough start when when it came to, to Najee that this past week. Um, let's get on over. We got Rams, Colts. Rams obviously looked impressive in the in the first game of the Matthew Stafford era out there. Uh, Colts a little bit less impressive when it, when it came to the, the start of the Carson Wentz era, um, your read on this game.
2: Yeah. Colts look brutal. Um, I don't think Frank Reich is the man for this job. Uh, although they just extended Ballard, he's basically a charlatan. He's, he's a, he's a, he's almost a crook with how badly he's running that team and getting that extension. It's unreal. Uh, their, their offensive line is in a lot of trouble. Uh, It had trouble in that first game, and I don't know what – there might have been an update by now, but they're really good guard. I think he's a guard. Uh, If not a guard, he would be right tackle, but I can't remember. Braden Smith, the the guy from Auburn, he's been really, really good, and he's hurt. I don't know what the latest is on him. Uh, In any case, the the Colts kind of just don't look very good, and uh, the Rams look uh, very much uh, great. And the way Stafford was lighting up the Bears is – you know, downfield, especially is how Russell Wilson lit up the Colts last week. So, if if Stafford's pl- throwing the ball deep like he was in his first game with the Rams, he should be able to kind of just over, just throw over these otherwise challenging zone coverages that the Colts use underneath and in the intermediate. Just just make those guys run and make th- make them run the field and 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 uh, see if they can keep up with all those routes that the that the Rams have to work with 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 Stafford's ability to strike so many parts of the field so you would think this Colts defense at least uh, shows some more dignified play in the front seven like it's it's hard to see a guy like DeForest Buckner staying invisible it's hard to see Darius Leonard staying invisible Kenny Moore has a way of making big plays but in the meantime the Colts just don't they, they seem overmatched and not particularly well managed to me
1: yep I don't think so either so that 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 obviously spells trouble for them on the defensive side of the ball. And then when it comes to Indianapolis's offense, uh, what are you looking for specifically when it comes to, to this passing game?
2: Not much. I don't think it's going to do a whole lot. And uh, whatever it does is probably going to be through the running backs again. I mean, Carson Wentz just sucks, and the offensive line is not very good either. So uh, th- then they're, they're also not using their best players. Like starting Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman over Paris Campbell is comical. Like You, you want to play red zone offense the whole field with this t- this group of players? good luck, man. You're going to need it. And a lot more than that. So uh, I like Jonathan Taylor's chances of, you know, breaking a long run. And I think he's going to keep getting checked down targets because I I don't think Wentz can throw downfield. I don't know if he even means to try anymore. Uh, None of those receivers were getting much going. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's because of them. Uh, It might be because of the offensive line more than Wentz, but it's hard to see everything that needs to improve,
1: uh, improve in time for this game. Yeah. So this is a tough spot. Uh, Indianapolis, three and a half point home underdogs going up against the Rams there. Let's get on over to a classic AFC matchup. We got the Raiders going up against the Steelers. Raiders obviously coming off of a a huge week one win and overtime victory Monday night. The Steelers, uh, you know, have a little bit of, uh, you know, 24 plus hours advantage as far as getting rested up and ready for this one they're going to be at home so that's definitely important as well Steelers five and a half point favorites in this one uh is there anything you think we can glean from that Monday night performance from the Raiders that that might actually you know help them uh carry things over into this matchup Sunday
2: well it was a really ugly game and I think the Ravens kind of blew it more than the, the the Raiders won it but their pass rush is definitely a at least on the edges. It's a problem. Crosby is crazy. Right. And then Gakwe is really good too. So, I mean, Crosby was already good first of all. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if his, you know, getting kind of sobered up brought maybe another level out of him. Like I feel like that happened with Jared Allen. Like he was always good and then he got sober and got even better turned into like a 20 sack player. So uh, Crosby could be like a big time problem because he was already good and he is he's like fast and stuff too like i know he was a small school guy but he's really productive really athletic yeah. uh locked in And uh, ngakwe is going to be bringing the other tackle collapsing the pocket from that angle so this pittsburgh offensive line is still really bad like i know they won that game last week but the, the bills kind of just blew it the pittsburgh defense kind of carried them the offensive line looked brutal uh, the, if they managed to neutralize Ngakwe and Crosby at the same time, that would be pretty impressive. And I don't really expect it exactly.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't either. So um, yeah, the, this pass rush could be a problem. Um, however, uh, maybe the, I just, I don't know how you defend the offense that, that the Raiders were running in the sense where they're not afraid to throw it to Waller 20 times. <laughs> and then if, If they do start looking elsewhere, you know, Brian Edwards started to catch fire late in the game. Uh, Henry Ruggs made made a big play um, when, when, you know, the Ravens, when they drew a mismatch that that favored him with with Brandon Stevens going on to him. So, I I mean, this is a, I don't think it's like the best offense in the league by any means. And of course, you you, you know, you still have the Derek Carr uh, factor, but man, uh, Waller just kind of changes everything.
2: Waller's crazy. Uh Carr looked really brutal for most of that game, so I'm not really optimistic about him versus this uh this Pittsburgh pass rush. Like the, the Vegas offensive line didn't hold up that great against the Ravens. It's, it's hard to tell how much that's them and how much it might have been the Ravens just playing well. But uh, you have reason to expect the Steelers front seven to play pretty well. Don't know what the latest is with Tuit. I I saw that he was out last week. I don't know if he's gonna keep being out, but if Tuit keeps mi- missing time there is a way maybe to hurt the the Steelers on the interior a bit more than most other years normally they have Hayward and Tuit out there at the same time and that's really tough to run against but i don't know if the backup is anywhere is anywhere near as good as Tuit who is very good although he gets hurt quite a bit so maybe the Raiders can get a little bit going in the run game to leverage you know Waller that much more off the play action or whatever but in the meantime yeah i guess they're content to just keep throwing at him him uh, Waller versus Fitzpatrick's going to be pretty interesting that's probably one of those where it's like, they're both going to win some lose some. And when you're talking the kind of volume that Waller plays with, I mean, anything could happen, but it's really hard to imagine a scenario right now where Waller isn't just, just heavily,
1: heavily involved. Yeah. Uh, so he's, he's definitely going to, Oh, um, did you
2: notice that Hunter Renfro has like a Vladi Divac thing going now? Like his, his whole thing now is he goes they, like the league sent a or sorry, the team sent a complaint to the league. Like, uh, the Ravens kept decking Hunter Renfro on his routes, and they're her- they're hurting Hunter Renfro. And it's it's like you look at it; it's like guys kind of like the Ravens just like checking him while he's crossing his routes, and
1: he just goes like yeah, it's not head over heels. Like, like the guy is like five ten, like a hundred. So he's just like he just he's goes built like an backward. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's
2: uh, I don't know. I, I they're I think they're they're really trying to get like flags out of it, and it, it might work because the refs have a way of paying paying attention to stuff when they uh you know get it in their heads that it's like going on and they need to keep watching it it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling thing we'll see oh if it Lord. plays we'll see if it yeah, works well, on the
1: road here. Yeah we yes we will the Steelers All are right. dirty as
2: hell too they'll try they're gonna knock them
1: out <laughs> yeah, because it, it's just such a, a tough thing to do to to knock knock down a guy of, of a hunter renfro's uh carriage. All right we got 10 minutes to go here we got a bunch of games to run through so let let's do that. Saints, Panthers biggest fantasy storyline for from this one
2: uh saints are well coached but i still don't think they have any talent don't know how well the panthers are are coached truly but i got i got side with them just because I, I think they have some actual players on offense and i don't know if the saints do aside from kamara dang
1: okay i mean uh, the saints really just blew the packers out of the water last week so i i have, I have tr- i'm gonna have trouble getting that one out of my brain for at least Packers just bit.
2: didn't show up too. I mean, no. not to take all the credit. Sean Payton is a great coach and he had, he had them ready to go, but the 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 Packers just blew it and Yeah, uh,
1: they, they yeah, they were simply not present uh there on Sunday. Um let's go Vikings Cardinals. We got the the Cardinals very very impressive uh in in their week 1 victory over the Titans. Vikings There was just kind of like a mediocre team that would find a way to lose to the to the Bengals. It's probably the Vikings. So that, of course, that they managed to pull that one off. I think there's going to be a lot of money on on the Cardinals covering this one, because I think this is pretty much a a similar or disregard, disregard. But um, Cardinals, I feel like they're they're going to be the public's all over them, given Mm -hmm. what the Vikings did last week and then also what the Cardinals did um, in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, I guess some bigger money is coming in on the Vikings because uh, the spread down to three and a half from four and a half with 72% of people betting on the Cardinals, apparently. So we'll see how that goes for Mr. Moneybags here. Usually, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. usually I guess that he's guy usually it, wins, man. but uh, I don't I wouldn't make that bet just because uh, Mike Zimmer openly dislikes his quarterback. He's kind of sick of this team. He's He's. I think he thinks he's on the way out and he, he doesn't really see the point in leaving any bridges behind. So uh th- I don't know if we can take it for a given that the Vikings just come out and you know play so hard that they they make an overachievement here. Uh, the Cardinals have a lot better personnel, and that, that the way that defense won in week one, I mean, they can also be a problem for C- Kirk Cousins. Uh, if anything, Ryan Tannehill and those receivers should have been able to throw over the middle part of the field where the Cardinals are just this fast amoeba. Uh, Kirk Cousins kind of needs to live in that part of the field.
1: Yep, so that, that's going to be a problem. Or Minnesota in that passing game on Sunday, Bucks Falcons. Bucks uh, twelve point favorites at home in this one against a Falcons team that looked pretty lifeless in its home opener a week ago. I think the Bucks completely roll them in, in this one. I, I don't think there's even like a, a fading of the public leverage thing that you you should really do here. I think you're, you're either betting this game, betting the Bucks in this one or, or you're just leaving it alone.
2: Yeah, it might take like point shaving by the Buccaneers to let the the Falcons get within 40 of them, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just think even if you took like the whole Tom Brady and and everyone in that in that passing game out of the out of what you're starting the analysis with, just the Bucs front against the Falcons offensive Bourbon, line, Bourbon good. Bowl. Bourbon Bowl would win it for sure. I mean, Matt Matt Ryan, ugh, I this could this could be really, really tough uh for him the, the entire season long. So um yeah, love the Bucks in this spot. Um Titans, Seahawks, Seahawks five and a half point favorites at home in this one. It feels like it I could see this one uh being a little bit higher than that one given how bad the Titans were a week ago and now they're gonna be on the road in a you know a pretty tough Seattle environment. So big fantasy storylines here.
2: It's not a great setup for Derrick Henry. He's a monster, obviously, but the Seahawks run defense is pretty good. It tends to play up when they're at home. Tennessee is a mess. Mike Rabel is going to lose that team soon. Maybe he can kind of get another high effort showing out of them. Maybe they can fix something about their passing game. I just don't understand how they let it get that bad in the first place. So I'm concerned, but the Seahawks corners cannot cover these guys. If, if, If they can't get a big game from Tannehill here, they are beyond toast.
1: Yeah, I, I think so as well. So and then the the script should set up for, for the passing game here, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe the uh, you know the Seahawks can counter and just blitz Jamal Adams a uh, hundred thousand times and uh, take take down Tannehill that way. All right, Chargers, Cowboys. We have the Chargers three point favorites at home. Cowboys coming off the long layoff, of course, uh, another road game for them uh, in this one. Uh, your thoughts? So
2: I was concerned about the chargers not getting enough speed on the field, especially at receiver. Um, But a couple things were promising in week one that I didn't anticipate. One was that Mike Williams, instead of just being a downfield specialist got quite a bit going underneath and in the intermediate. So I'm I'm not convinced he's going to keep being good at it, but if he does that, that helps lessen the slack on Keenan Allen in the middle of the field, Austin Eckler, wherever he's running around at. So That's good. And Jalen Guyton played ahead of Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton crucially drew more targets per snap than he did last year. So Guyton's fast. That's that's speed right there. As long as he's out there, Keenan Allen is an automatic, of course, where he runs. This should be a pretty good offense with those guys that they keep playing like they did in week one. And Herbert was awesome. Like He played a lot better than his box score made it look
1: Yeah, I I thought so as well. So I like what the Chargers have cooking. Um, That that was definitely encouraging going on the road to a tough defense like that and and escaping with the victory. I think they'll have a much easier time moving the ball this time around against this Cowboys defense. Uh, Ravens Chiefs. I think the Ravens are going to get completely destroyed in this one. (laughs) Uh, Again, I I have obviously psychic damage, but I had had a bad feeling about that Raiders game too. Um, So – yeah, I think the Chiefs are just going to go in. I, I don't think that the Ravens can hang. Uh, I, they're, uh, whether it's the fact that they're too banged up or the Chiefs have their number, I don't know. There, there's just so many ways in which I just feel like the 0% chance the Ravens come out of this one on top.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I don't I don't blame you for that at all. I, I would agree that the Chiefs probably should be favored by more than 3.5 after it opened at 2.5. Uh, I think Villanueva...
1: Mike, oh, he terrible. He's he an m- absolute turnstile.
2: Yeah. I don't know how much of that is owed to switching sides after playing left tackle. I guess, guess we'll see, but uh, Lamar missed a couple plays. A couple other things were going wrong. There was a lot of just stuff going wrong with the Ravens, all of it, their fault. Um, but in any case, it's they, even if they were sharp would of course project as kind of like disadvantaged here. So uh, I still think Greg Roman kind of sucks too. I, I'm not letting him off the hook, but uh, Lamar does need to play a little better, and I, there was this one play in particular. I'm pretty positive he had Duvernay open for a post touchdown on the right side, and maybe he started abandoning it because he was afraid Villanue- Villanueva would have was going to let the rush in again. But he, that was the play where he like got Marquise Brown kind of like trash compacted in the mm-hmm. middle of the field when he made that yeah. one arm catch. Like Duvernay yeah, was yeah. wide open, and he didn't see it, so he can't be letting stuff like that happen. Maybe he fixes it, but they got a lot of work to do for for an opponent like this.
1: Yeah. And, and the chiefs that, that offense, I mean, just unbelievable. Um, So yeah, that this just does not set up well uh, for Baltimore. Um, And last one here, Mario, before we sign off real quick, Lions, Packers, Packers, 11 point favor. That seems like a lot of respect for, for the Packers, uh, given what happened last week.
2: They almost have to come out a lot better. Like, (laughs) I mean, they will come out better. And I mean, to say maybe even in line with their kind of like 2020 standard, but maybe not and I, I think in either case you're what whatever way it's like you're you're putting the the lions down too much to give green bay 11 points even if it is at home so uh, yeah we'll see uh, jamal williams had probably the best game of his career credit to him uh, i'm a little skeptical that it continues I am, uh, I, I definitely can see why Swift and Hawkinson would keep producing the way they have. And uh, Cephas had a quiet seven targets or something that didn't land very well, but mm-hmm. I kind of like him to, to get going as a steady presence too.
1: Okay. Yeah. So some interesting stuff to look out for, even though the, the big spread, I think that that Monday night game might end up being pretty fun with it being a divisional matchup. But anywho, that's going to do it for this edition of the roto NFL podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Check out tomorrow's episode, Scott Jensted and Andrew Laird talking some DFS from Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening.
0: Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days.
2: Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium?